Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, halfway through this week, first week of August here, I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you along here on this edition of The Inner Life Today. So now, how about you? What do you do? Have you ever asked someone that question? Or has somebody asked you that question? What do you do? Usually you hear that question right after you meet someone for the first time. And it's easy to ask those kind of surface questions to learn a little about the other person. Oh, where are you from? Oh, you're from Texas. Have you lived there long? Oh, all your life. Proud Texan. Great. So what do you do? You know, that question comes up right there at the beginning when you talk with people. And it's very easy for us to wrap a major part of our identity into our work, into what we do for employment. But your work doesn't necessarily define you. You know, we live in a world now where... Many people want to try and limit your entire identity inside the parameters of gender or the attraction you have to other people. But just like your employment, it doesn't give the full picture of who you are. Neither do these other categories. You and I were complex individuals with a range of different interests, different passions, so many different factors that help to shape us to be who we are. You know, we have our parents, our other family, our other other friends, especially when we're, we're young, that they have in good ways or in bad ways raised us or taught us, led us by things they've said, by the way they lived their lives, their example. We're also shaped by the places we've lived, the time in which we live, when we've been born. You know, someone born in 1920 is going to have a much different outlook on life than someone born in 2020. So rather than being identified only by our work, more than that question of what do you do, it might be better to ask, who are you? And if you ask someone that question, when you very first meet them, that might be going a little too deep. They might not want to answer honestly about all of the good and the bad details that make them who they are. Or if they do actually uh, honestly answer you about who they are, you might find yourself getting a little more information about that person than you originally wanted to know. But that question of who are you, it might be best if we asked that of ourselves. I should ask myself that question. You should ask yourself that question. Do you know who you are? And if you do know who you are, do you know where God is calling you in your life? And when we talk about that, where we're called in life, the purpose and the mission of our individual lives, where God is asking us to live and serve him. As Catholics, we describe this as our vocation. Many times when we hear that word vocation within the language of the church, you might think of men who are in the seminary studying, discerning if they're called to be a priest or a woman in a religious order, taking vows as a nun or a sister. But it's not just those called to religious life that have a vocation. Each one of us has a vocation. Each one of us is called to serve God in different ways based upon our gifts, our talents, 
our strengths, and some are called to religious life. But many of us are called to the vocation of marriage, being a husband or a wife, being a father or a mother. Last week, while I was watching the coverage of the Olympics in Tokyo, I was really struck by one statement made by one of the commentators when they were talking about the U.S. women's hurdler, Christina Clemens. And I was watching the different preliminary qualifying heats of the women's 100-meter hurdles. And while they were waiting for Christina's heat to begin, the two commentators going back and forth, they're discussing Christina's background, her past injuries, as well as her training to get to the Olympics. And one of the announcers said that she trains alone, not with any other runners, no other teammates there. Uh, her coach even coaches her remotely. He sends her the training regimen and the practice focus, which then Christina, she has to do it on her own. And this is because Christina lives in Kansas and doesn't want to move to an area where she would have that ability to train with other runners. And do you know the reason why she stays on her own in Kansas? Well, the uh, announcers on the air, they said that that is where her husband is. And the announcer that said that Christina lives in Kansas, does all this training alone, said, you know, Christina loves running, she loves competing in the hurdles, but she loves her husband more. And that's understanding the importance of your vocation right there. That's the difference between what you do and who you are. For Christina, what, what does she do? Well, she's an athlete. She's a hurdler. But who is Christina? Well, she's a woman who loves her husband and has been called to be his wife, his partner in life. And each of us has whatever that calling is that God has given us. Each one of us has our vocation. Now, today, it's the Feast of St. John Vianney. He's someone who lived out his vocation as a priest in such an exemplary way that back in 1929, Pope Pius XI named him the worldwide patron saint of all parish priests. Can you imagine living your vocation, doing the everyday work that God has called you to do in such a perfect way that this becomes your path to sainthood? And this becomes your path to heaven. We all have that opportunity because we all have a vocation. And that's what we want to discuss on today's show. We want to talk about how we can know and understand our vocation and the way that we can fulfill our vocation and follow in the footsteps of St. John Vianney, fulfilling that vocation in the best possible way so that we are on the path to becoming saints, helping us to look at our vocation, how we live that out, one of our favorite voices here on The Inner Life, Father Matthew Spencer. He's a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, and he is their provincial superior and shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph out of Santa Cruz, California. Uh, Father Matthew, uh, so nice to have you back here on the program today. So uh, have you had a chance to watch any of the Olympics over the last week and a half? I just well, Thanks, Josh. It's always a pleasure to be, be with you. Uh, I've only watched uh, certain highlights. I haven't sat down and watched any watched any events. I haven't followed it really, but it's kind of it's a nice way to watch it, Josh. Where you just get the best parts, you get the drama, you get to see the highlights, and it's it's right. at least a nice way to do it for somebody like me who's not so so into sports. Yeah, well, and it is nice too that you know rather than in real time, at least for us here in uh, the Western Hemisphere, we get to see all of the highlights, like you say, compiled there at the end of our day. Uh, and so we just kind of get the best parts, uh, well, at least whatever, you know, 
uh, the media decides they think are the best parts for us to watch. But. <laughs> That's right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Father Matthew, as I mentioned, you know, today the Feast of St. John Vianney, and um, for somebody who might not be familiar with St. John Vianney, it might be good just to talk for a moment about his life. Can you tell us a little about St. John Vianney and uh, what what made him so extraordinary that he was declared by Pope Pius XI as that patron saint of parish priests? Yes, I, I really love the life of St. John Vianney because uh, although priests are especially inspired by him and he is the patron saint of parish priests, as you mentioned, um, his life, I think, has has some lessons for all of us. So he, he was born at the end of the 18th century and um, under in, in France, under Napoleon's rule, he was um, almost, or I'm sorry, he was drafted into the army. And um, he was supposed to get an exemption because he was in the seminary, but they didn't, you know, the church wasn't being treated very well uh, in uh, 18th century uh, France, 18th and 19th century France. So uh, he eventually becomes a priest, but it was a hard path to get there. He, he went to the seminary and was sent home because he was told he was too slow. He wasn't getting the, theology, the theological concepts and philosophy uh, quickly enough. And, uh, and they just thought, oh, this guy couldn't be a priest. He doesn't have what it takes. But he, he was sent back to the seminary at the, the insistence of his, um, of his mentor at the time, who said, no, this guy's piety will make up for his, his lack of, you know, maybe uh, intellectual prowess. So he, he returns to the seminary and uh, is ordained a priest and then is given a, a parish assignment in a tiny village in France. In fact, uh, on his way to his first assignment, this is a village of 230 people, most of them not practicing Catholics. I think the idea of the bishop was, well, this guy's not going to go very far. Let's just give him a, a sleepy little parish in, in the, you know, in the sticks and he can figure it out. On his way to ours, he got lost, actually, had to ask some shepherds for, for directions. And um, from there, he, he basically just dedicated every waking hour of his day to his vocation he he would spend by by uh, the time by the end of his life he was spending 12 to 16 hours a day in the confessional which any priest will know is is unreal i mean it's hard enough to spend a couple hours in the confessional to spend that many is is uh, truly heroic um, the people were just very inspired by his his simple preaching by his own dedication and by his fervor and I think that's what's very inspiring for, for, for me and for, for us, Josh, that St. John Vianney came from, humble from a humble background. He seemed to not be equipped with maybe the, the intellectual tools that he needed, but because of his devotion, God made up for, for what might have been lacking and now is, is revered across the world. In fact, the year of the priest that Pope Benedict uh, XVI uh, declared in 2009 was specifically declared because it was the 150th anniversary of St. John Vianney's life. So yeah, powerful example, not only for priests, Josh, but for, for everybody who's striving to live their vocation well. Well, and so, you know, that word vocation, like I said, when we talk about it in Catholic parlance, we end up kind of thinking of priestly vocations or religious vocations. But as you say, you know, even though he's the patron saint of parish priests, 
St. John Vianney is an example for all of us. Uh, can you ha- help us have a better understanding of what we mean when we're talking about a vocation? What, what does that mean in our lives more than just employment, more than just maybe one category? But th- this encompasses so much of who we are and what we do in life as Christians, as Catholics. Yes, the word vocation comes from the Latin word vocate, which is uh, referring to the call that we have all been given. Uh, so vocation, the word itself, is a call, uh, a calling that, that we're responding to. It's not, a, it's not me saying, this is what I want to do. I want to be a priest, and therefore I'm going to do it. I want to be an oblate of St. Joseph. Hopefully I do, right? Hopefully my, my own emotions and my desires line up with what God wants of me. But a vocation itself is is from God. It's it's from God saying, "This is what I want you to do." And we know that this is how God operates because Scripture in Scripture, over and over and over again, God calls others. He calls the prophets. He calls the patriarchs, and of course, Jesus calls the apostles and the disciples to follow Him. Uh, so the vo- word vocation simply means a call. But in our religious sense, we know that this is a, a call from God himself. And that can be manifest in different ways in our life. Although I would say, Josh, that all of us have a, a common vocation, which is a vocation to holiness. Uh, the Second Vatican Council would, would underline this very strongly for all of us, lay people, for bishops, for priests, for those in, in convents, that all of us, the first vocation of our life is to live a holy an upstanding life, uh, a virtue, and um, and then the particular ways that we we find that holiness uh, are are our particular vocations that we accept. So it wouldn't have mattered if Father Matthew didn't ever become Father Matthew, if it would have been uh, that you were working at a software company um, instead of working as a priest. That whole that call to holiness, that vocation for holiness, um, it it doesn't change. It might change how we live that out, but it's something that is universal for all believers. That's right. I I remember being told by our vocations director when I was first looking at the oblates of Saint Joseph, and he said to me, "It kind of kind of uh, surprised me, but it makes a lot of sense." He said, "Well, if God doesn't want you to be an oblate of Saint Joseph, we certainly don't want you to be an oblate of Saint Joseph either, because." That's if that's not God's will, then you know, of course, we don't we don't want that. So it's something that we do have to to come to an awareness of. We use the word discernment a lot when we talk about vocation, right. and we we consider and, and ponder and, and and try and see the indications God gives us, uh, and then we then we say yes. And so if God was calling me to be married it would be much more important for me to be married and much uh, holier for myself than to attempt to be a priest if, if that wasn't what God was calling me to. So that's, it's not so much that uh, one way of life is holier than the other. It's how we live it out and how well I respond to my vocation. Well, you also said that hopefully our desires are once that they align where God is calling us, where we do have that calling. And it reminds me of um, in Psalm 37, verse 4, David is the psalmist, and he writes, uh, Find your delight in the Lord, who will give you your heart's desire. And that finding our heart's desire, it kind of reminds me of when Jesus then, uh, right before the Last Supper, 
in John's gospel. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we've got God who wants to give us the things that we desire, you know, in trying to discern our vocation, that word discernment there that you talked about. If we're seeking to love and serve God in our lives, if we find our delight in the Lord, it sounds like God will use those desires that we are already have. He'll grow them into the work that he's calling us to do. Or maybe the better way to phrase it might be that God is the one who maybe has placed those desires in our hearts to begin with. And if we're following his leading, he'll bring about the fulfillment of those desires in our vocation. Yeah, I, I would say it's both of these these um, aspects. I. It's a hard thing to do, isn't it, Josh? I mean, when I was looking at becoming a priest, I I had an attraction to be married, right? I mean, I wanted to have a big family. I come from a big family. I had I have very holy parents, and I, I was inspired by their marriage and thought that 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 looks very appealing to me. Um, so there was this desire in my heart for one vocation, but. Uh, and not so much for the priesthood, by the way, at the time, it was, uh, I looked at it, I thought, I can't do that, right? I can't live a life of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and, and that just seems too hard for me. Uh, but as you mentioned, I mean, if if that's what God was calling me to, not only would he would he help me to find happiness in that state in life, but he would, he even has placed a desire for this way of life into my own heart. So that's why it takes a lot of pondering when we're exploring what God is asking of us, because we have some natural desires, right? We we like maybe relationships and we see the, the beauty of, of an alternative uh, way of life. Uh, say if I'm, you know, married, the, the priesthood might look very appealing. Uh, so we have to we have to tease out our own desires, our own attractions, and say, well, all of those are nice and good, but what are the ones that God wants me to act on? What are the ones that are best for my holiness and for for God's plan for the world? Well, and so if if you're trying to figure that out, what if you have started down that path that seems like, well, you know, this is kind of where my heart is. This is where my desires are. But if I'm not in that true vocation, like you talked about in your life, if there was that attraction to have a family, to have children, to be married, but that wasn't your true vocation that God was really calling you to, how do you recognize this? How do you, do you need the help of someone else? Do you do you need somebody to kind of come alongside you and give you that guidance and help you wrestle with some of that? Or are there signs and indications that just by yourself you can look at and say, maybe I'm not on the right path and maybe I'm not following that calling that God has given me? I think it's it's all of these things, Josh, and I think these are these are excellent things to ponder for those who are considering their vocation. But first, I would say that the first step in responding to God's call is to to have an openness to that call. If I'm, and, and I can say this from my own personal experience, I remember in high school, my parents proposing to me, hey, maybe you should think about the priesthood and religious life. And I would slam that door as quickly as I could. I mean, I didn't want that. And uh, now I look back laughing because that should have been a, a pretty big sign that I, I was, you know, right. not not really looking at this uh, with, a, with, a, with the right uh, perspective. I, I think we have to first be open. We have to create this willingness to serve God in a variety of different uh, ways. And then when that openness is there, God will point us in the right direction. 
So that openness starts by us living holy lives, right? We, we, we cultivate lives of virtue. We, we live lives uh, with deep piety. Uh, no matter whether we're going to be married or be a priest, we have to be people of prayer. We have to be focusing on, on God himself. So we create that foundation of openness and of, of good virtue. And then, as you point out, we need others. <laughs> we really do because our perspective is limited. And, and I have my own biases, right? I have my, my own uh, the way that I see the world, which is colored by my preferences or my attractions. We need the help of others. And it could be a spiritual director. That's very important, especially when one is considering spiritual, uh, excuse me, religious life and the priesthood. Uh, but also when one is considering marriage, we need to talk to others and say, well, do you think I have what it takes? And do you think this is a, a possible way that God is calling me to live out my life? And and then it comes down to the particular, is this the person that God is calling me to be with? Uh, is this the one that God wants me to spend my life with, this this other man or this other woman? Um so, yeah, we, we need the help of others because we can't know God's will in isolation. He doesn't just, uh, uh, in the majority of circumstances, speak to us directly and tell us exactly what to do. He reveals his will to us, but it happens in subtle and in slow ways, and we need the help of others to discern that. Our spiritual director today, Father Matthew Spencer, a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, and we're talking about understanding our vocation. How about you? Have you been able to discern and understand your vocation in life? And, and how did you come to that understanding? How have you been living out your vocation? How has your understanding of your vocation brought you peace, fulfillment in your spiritual life, being in that place where God is calling you? Maybe you're unsure of your vocation and how to figure out where God is calling you, and you need a little help, a little advice. Well, that's why Father Matthew is here. Our studio line is open for your call at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking about understanding our vocation and how we can live that out, not just how we can figure out our vocation, but the things that we can do to live it out to the fullness that God expects of us. That's coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph. He's their provincial superior and the shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph out of Santa Cruz, California. And today talking about understanding our vocation, how we discern our vocation, but also how we live that out. And uh, Father Matthew, right before the break, you were talking about, you know, if, if somebody's called to religious life, but then also if somebody is called to marriage. And, you know, that was where I was. But if 
somebody is like me, and I'm presuming there's plenty of people out there that have this kind of experience, I wasn't doing a lot of discerning in going into the relationship initially when I met my wife. For me, you know, number one, I wasn't Catholic at the time, so I hadn't thought about vocation from a Catholic point of view, a Catholic standpoint. And when I first met the woman that would be my wife, Baylan, my biggest discernment was, wow, she's really pretty. I think I'd like to get to know her better. And then the next step of discernment was just, am I brave enough to approach her and ask her to go out on a date, you know, risk that rejection if she turns me down. But I didn't spend days or weeks or months kind of wrestling, trying to see, is God leading me into marriage with this young woman? Now, later on down the road, of course, there is more thought, more consideration that was given to, you know, are, are both of us at a point where we, we do want to get married? But sometimes that discernment, is it going to be just that it feels very natural? You're kind of on this natural path already. Um, there's also, I, I will just say, youth inexperience, you know, the idiocy, I guess, of being young and just kind of, well, this is this is where I'm going anyway. And it, yeah, everything sounds good, feels good. I'm excited. Let's let's move forward. Um, can you talk about some of the benefits of discernment versus just kind of going with where it seems like life is taking you? I, I think every vocation is unique, right? And everybody's response to God's call is very personal and, and going to be quite different. And you can have two very holy people that, that discover uh, a similar looking vocation, but in radically different ways. I'm thinking of, of some of my, my brother Oblates, who uh, years back entered the minor seminary, that is high school. They went off to seminary, started uh, going not because they were thinking about being priests, but maybe because their brother was in the seminary or maybe because they visited and they thought it was fun. And they just kept going. And it wasn't like they, they you know, uh, struggled and grappled with this and, and thought, oh, maybe I should be somewhere else. And maybe I need to, you know, talk to my spiritual director for hours and hours about where I should go. They just put one foot in front of the other and kept moving forward. And, and that was how God revealed to them their, their vocation. Now, that doesn't mean they, they, were very, they were very passive, right? They had to engage and they had to say, no, this is what I believe God is calling me to. And maybe God revealed that to me in a very simple way. I mean, your, your vocation is, is a, a unique, certainly, but the, the story is not uncommon. You fall in love because you're naturally attracted to another person. And little by little, you realize this person I could spend my life with. And then before you know it, right, you have a family and, and it's clear that this is what God calls you to. But I, I'm sure that even in your case, Josh, there's there's uh, there's a need to at some point say, okay, God, are, is this what you want from me or not? Because it's time to put my money where my mouth is, right? And uh, I have to commit to this and I, I want to be sure that it's from you, Lord. Um, so... Uh, I, I guess I guess what I'm saying, Josh, is that I think discernment uh, gets gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of thought these days. But I don't think we we need to spend our our lives uh, wondering and pondering and considering all of the options. Sometimes God puts the option that He wants us to to take right before us, and if He does, great. Other times, it, it does take a little bit of effort. 
Right, right. Our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Vince, who's listening in Dodgeville, Wisconsin. Hi, Vince. Welcome to The Inner Life today. You're on the air with Father Matthew. I think my situation might be unique, and then again, I think it might be very common. Uh, I think I'm unique. I knew what I wanted to do when I was 16. I had the opportunity to do it. I rolled up my sleeves and went at it for 40 years, and I think I loved most of it. Mm-hmm. It was very hard, physical, often outdoors work. Uh, let's just say I was a carpenter and a mason. Mm-hmm. Worked with my dad and my brothers, and when I got to be about 58, I'm telling you, those bags of cement started getting really heavy. <laughs> and so did those bricks and block and those great big hunks of lumber. And at uh, about, then I was caring for my parents, and I'm kind of semi-retired at age 62. I'll tell you, I'm just, I just hate every minute of it. And people say I'm lucky I could do that. And there's so many, so many times you can mow the lawn, and I see somebody, if I see somebody laying block or doing pouring cement, I just want to jump out of the car and jump in there and do it again, but I can't do it anymore. Hmm. And I think I've, I've taken this to prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament and the Rosary and everything else. What do I do now? I'm too too young for the scrap heap and too old to just sit around all the time. I'd be willing to bet there's quite a few people like myself. What do you think? I I think so. Thanks for thanks for sharing your story, Vince. I I think uh, it's very true. You know, our our uh, the work that we commit in the vineyard of the Lord changes over time, and what we can do in our youth is not the same as what we can do in the middle of our lives, nor at the end of our lives. Um, I think what you do, Vince, is you look around and you say, "Well, what opportunities has God placed around me?" Uh, whether it's visiting the sick, whether it's helping others in simpler ways. I mean, I know that mowing the lawn is not as maybe exciting and, and creative as, as masonry and, and carpentry, uh, but there's a, there's a sanctification that's there that, that also is important. And I, I think don't, I wouldn't just go away from it because there's not a natural, you know, kind of attraction or because you're, you, you feel a little bit of, you know, aversion to doing that. Uh, maybe there's an opportunity to serve, to help others in that capacity and to, to use the strength that God has given to you now in order to, to put that at the service of the Lord. But I think it, it does take some, some consideration, Vince. It does take some, some pondering and it does take, you asking God, okay, Lord, I don't feel I, I'm able to do that heavy lifting and heavy work I did before. That's okay, but now how can I serve you and how can I further the gospel with, with the gifts you've given me? Yeah, and you know, that's uh, kind of following up on Vince's question. We got an email from a listener who said, I'm recently divorced and I've been praying often about where I'm supposed to be in life. I'm not currently in a relationship, but my question is, would God actually call me to be in another relationship, possibly remarry at some point, if that's what I feel called to? I feel compelled to care for others and bring others closer to God, and at times I feel that may be something I can do in a future relationship. It's just so difficult to try and figure out what's in my head and what's being given to me from God. Um, you know, that, that brings up, too, if you were married— 
and for whatever reason that marriage falls apart you know that that was part of who you are were in your vocation and for whatever reason if that's been cut off by divorce um you know that that's a difficult place to be there um there's a lot of different aspects that are happening in this question father number 1 the indissolubility of marriage but then civil divorce that's at play and then trying to figure out well, if this was where kind of my vocation was, what do I do now if maybe even by not my own my own choice, I find myself cut off from that part of my vocation? Yeah, divorce is always a tragedy and the breakdown of marriage, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a terrible experience for everybody involved, indeed for the whole church, right? And um, I'm very sorry for for that that one who wrote the email and others who have who have experienced the pain and, and sorrow and the effects of, of divorce. Um, I think what we do is we in situations like that is we we have to remain firm in the commitments we've made before the Lord. So uh, if I have been married and then I'm divorced for for whatever reason, if the marriage fell apart, if, uh, you know, my, my spouse left me, if what, whatever the cause of that divorce, um, we can't just start another relationship and, and then hope that that will work out with the church. It's, that's kind of backwards. I think what we have to do first is say, well, am I free to enter into another relationship in the eyes of the church? Uh, and that happens by the annulment process. Uh, the reason I counsel people who are who have experienced the pain of divorce to to not begin entering or exploring other relationships is because the human heart is um is so powerful and once we start an emotional relationship it's very it's very easy for us to put in the the back seat our um or to to lower the priority of what the church desires of us in particular circumstances so people fall in love again after a divorce they're not free to enter into a romantic relationship with another person and yet because they they now have met somebody and they feel this this closeness to them they they prefer that to what the church has said they they can do or i should say what god has has said they can do so uh, I know it makes it um, a challenging place to be, but I think it it helps in our relationship and our walk with the Lord when we're when we're firm to the commitment that we made. Right when I say before the altar of the Lord, until death do I do we part. Whether my spouse is going to be faithful or not to that, I'm going to be faithful to that. And when we live that integrity well and, and trust in the in the church's. Uh, uh, analysis of our situation, then I think there's a lot more long-term happiness that comes uh, to us. Our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, and uh, talking about understanding and living out our vocation in life, our studio line, 888-914-9149. How were you able to discern and understand your vocation, and how are you living that out? How has understanding your vocation uh, brought you peace in your spiritual life, helped you to grow in your relationship with Christ. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And uh, I had a caller who couldn't hold Father, but said, is it ever too late to follow God's call for your life? So I'm going to presume this is somebody who maybe is, you know, in the latter half of their life, and they're saying, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I know where God's calling me, but... Is it even worth the time and the effort right now as maybe I'm approaching retirement years? 
practical considerations, right? So a lot of religious communities put upper bounds on, on the ages that they will allow men or women to enter their communities. And they do this for very practical purposes, Josh. It's very hard uh, to change our habits and it's very hard to, to uh, accommodate uh, a community life after we've lived for decades our own life or maybe in a family. Um, so religious communities and dioceses will put upper bounds on on both religious and priestly vocations and they'll say, I'm sorry, it's you're you're too old and it's it's not gonna work. And um and that's a it's a practical consideration. So I would say uh, I don't want to say it's never too late to follow God's call because uh, it's it, it, we always, no matter our age, have to follow God's call. But certainly, God's call will be different if we miss it earlier in life, right? And God, if we if we get to the end of our life and think, oh, I I should be a priest, then I don't think it's God's call for us to be a priest, and that will be made clear when the diocese tells us, no, actually, it's it's not going to work that way. So, no, it's never too late to follow God's call, but the later we wait, then the more doors that will close along the way, and, and, and we, might, uh, we might miss that, that particular way of life that God wants us to live. He'll, he'll open up another door, and he'll have another path for us, but uh, it's much better to, to, um, to choose the vocation that's going to be most suited to our holiness, that's for sure. Our line to call into the show, 888-914-9149, Our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're going to continue our conversation with Father Matthew Spencer about understanding and living out our vocation coming up right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Thanks so much for listening to The Inner Life today here on this Wednesday. It's the Feast of St. John Vianney, and looking at his example, we're talking about living out our vocation, not just those who are called to priesthood, not just those who are called to religious life, but each one of us has a vocation, and how do we live that out, and how have you lived that out in your own life? How has understanding and living your vocation helped you in your relationship with Christ? Uh, And maybe you're having some trouble discerning your vocation. Maybe you're not sure where God is calling you. And that's why Father Matthew Spencer is here as our spiritual director for the hour. And our studio line is 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. And Father, let's go to Christy, who's listening in Jefferson, Wisconsin. Hi, Christy. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Thank you. Um, I was listening to your program, and I have my three sons, but I have my youngest is 16, and he dabbles with, you know, he doesn't rule out being a priest. Um, so I just wanted to know, what would, how would I advise him to help him discern this? What would be your advice as a 16-year-old um, as far as what he should be doing to try to listen to what God may or may not be calling him to do, if it is the priesthood? not that's a great uh, great question Christy um, so I, I have some ideas for you and for your son first of all for you um, 
I look back and I think the best thing that that my parents did and the best thing that parents can do is uh, is support your children regardless of their of their particular vocation, right? And to help them to know that they're going to be loved no matter what particular vocation they they follow. Uh, it's hard enough to say yes to the priesthood, and it's much harder if uh, if one feels maybe resistance from from their parents or or fear that maybe they won't be able to see them on Christmas and Easter, things like this. And I, I don't get that sense from you, Christy, so maybe that's, um, uh, it, it might be a cross when you ponder it, but um, it's a cross that's definitely worth it for parents, in, in my humble opinion. Um, so first of all, just helping your son to know that you're going to love him and you're going to support him, whatever God's particular vocation for him is. Uh, and and having that that sense of support makes it a lot easier to to, to, to ponder and consider uh, what God might be asking us to do, even vocations that might be harder when we know that we have the support of those who are closest to us. Um, the next thing I'd say for your son more is um, to start exploring what that actually looks like. I, when I was in high school, I, my thought of what it meant to be a priest was so far removed from reality. I mean, I thought that that priests just sat around all day waiting for funeral calls, waiting to go to the hospital, that they, maybe they spent a few hours on their knees inside of the church praying, and certainly sick calls and funerals and pray, prayer is extremely important, but there's a lot more to, to the priesthood. There's a lot more to the vocation, and it's um, it's a, really surprised me when I started seeing the, the variety of things that priests do and are, are called to do. And so helping your son uh, to know, well, all of the ins and outs of the vocation uh, happens with um, particular uh, discernment. It happens with reading about it. it happens with spending time at on vocation retreats, maybe. Um, there are some really good books from uh, Vianney Vocations, it's called, uh, an organization that puts out uh, materials to help young men uh, consider a vocation to the priesthood uh, and to religious life. Um, and I think that's pretty pretty helpful, knowing the practical aspects of the vocation, what it's going to require of you and what it's going to demand of you, including the steps to get there, looking and saying, well, I'm going to have to take four years of philosophy and then four years of theology. And, and if your son uh, is intimidated by that, then to, the, then to look more closely at whether you know he can, he's willing to commit to that or not. Um, these are all important steps, the practical considerations. But finally, uh, Christy, I would say that the most important thing that, that your son can do is to pray and to, to cultivate a life of prayer, to cultivate a, a deep relationship with God. And you can certainly help him in that. You can pray with him uh, as a family. You can pray the rosary together. Uh, you can uh, help him stay accountable to that. You can help him get to daily Mass uh, early in the morning be before school starts, maybe. Uh, all of these things, I think, will be very helpful in your son uh, f coming to know his own vocation. Thanks for calling in, Christy. And uh, Father Matthew... As we're talking about vocations, if we do have a true calling to a vocation, but, you know, uh, right before the break, we talked about somebody who has recently been divorced. Mm -hmm. And if there is somebody who has abused that vocation where God has called them, um, you know, you yourself as a priest, you know all of the media coverage that's been given to the priest abuse scandals that have been out there. If there's that vocation that has been abused, 
I guess there's kind of the question, was that really your true vocation to begin with? If you walk away from it or if you do things that, uh, you know, don't fulfill that vocation in the way they should be done. But also, is there a chance to be redeemed if that really was your true vocation to be able to come back, whether it is from divorce, whether it is, you know, whatever the situation may be? Is there a way to have kind of a renewed uh, call to that vocation or uh, have we kind of ruined it if we go too far in that abuse of that calling? Yeah, this is a this is a very good question. One that's challenging to answer because I think it um, it requires probably consideration of the particular aspects of each vocation. But I think broadly speaking, we can say this. First of all, uh, all of us are sinners, and all of us are going to fall short of the love of God, and and we're going to fail at a certain point in our vocation. And hopefully, it's not grievous. You know, hopefully, it's it's not uh, to to the to the end of our vocation, but uh, but let's face it, you know, in marriage, we're not as uh, committed to that, to, to our spouse as we should be. In priesthood, we're not as committed to the, the service of God's people as we need to be all the time. And, and we're always going to fall short. Does that mean that we shouldn't, we shouldn't remain in that call? No, of course not, right? I mean, we, we need to get back up. God's mercy abounds and he, he wants to help us. And I would say this can happen also, even with very serious falls, people who, who really make a mess of their vocation or really fail in a particular aspect of their vocation. Uh, God's mercy is still present, right? And God still wants right. forgiveness for, for, for that person and for all involved. Um, but it does take healing, and sometimes the the pain and the 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 effects of our sins are such that uh, that we won't be able to continue along the same path. Um, maybe it means that we shouldn't have have gone down that path in the first place. Um, I think this is why the church, why why we're blessed to have a church, because the church helps us to discern these things. The church helps us to know whether a marriage was was actually in effect or not. Right? The church helps to to see whether a, a priest is actually whether a man is actually called to remain a priest or not. Uh, and and so we 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 rely on the church to help us in in the the determination of those things. But I think we have to always rely and, and throw ourselves onto God. God's mercy and pray that we yeah. we always remain faithful in our vocations. Uh, wonderful. Thanks for that answer, Father. And let's go back to the phones. Marty is listening in Napa, California. Hi, Marty. Uh, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the, the air with Father Matthew. Hi. Uh, my question is, how, if you have a calling, I work with developmentally disabled young adults, and let's say this calling you, you love, but it doesn't pay the bills, and I also want to help people with depression who have struggled from severe depression. And I'm actually playing around with the idea called depression unplugged. But mm. what if this doesn't pay enough? How do you how do you handle that? Because I really feel like this is my calling now, and I'm older in life, but it yeah. just doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. And yeah. Father, really quick, I'm going to just jump in because I've got another kind of follow-up question on Marty's, and I know we're getting low on time here. But let's say that you go into a field like Marty's talking about working with you know disabled people or if you work with at-risk that can also be a high burnout vocation. And so are we only called to a vocation for a certain season of our life sometimes? Okay, so um, let's step back here and say, well, when we're talking about vocation in the, the strict sense of the church, 
that is to say to marriage, to priesthood, to consecrated single life, or to religious life, then um, then those uh, largely come uh, just as a one-shot vocation. It's possible that somebody's called to marriage at one point in their life and then their spouse dies and they continue on to to be, um, you know, to be a priest, for example. Uh, but usually that's for life, what you do. Um, what do you do, though, Marty, if you don't have the means to, you know, to to provide in your particular, in the in the general sense of the word vocation, your your mission in the church and your your work to help those those most vulnerable or those in need? Um, I think we have to be practical people, to be honest, Marty. I mean, I'm a, I'm a practical person, uh, and I think we can't ignore the fact that we have to pay the bills and we have to be able to feed ourselves. We have to be able to take care of of those who are entrusted to us. Now, God can provide in a lot of surprising ways but we don't we can't be um, imprudent in how we approach this and and imagine that God will take care of us when he's trying to maybe make it clear that no I'm, I'm trying to make you see that maybe I don't want you to go this path because of because of the financial aspect what I would say Marty is you have to explore um, alternative ways of funding maybe for for a vocation uh, that you're describing uh, we have to um, we have to say well are there grants for this can I get those grants is there a way that I can I can exercise this particular mission that I would like of helping people while also uh, working at a job that will pay me better and be able to support this and fund this um, are there individuals who have more means and are are have a, a similar uh, uh, desire to help those who are depressed or going through emotional struggles in life. Um, so that's what I would say, Marty. Don't ignore the financial aspect of it. And and um, we have to be wise. Jesus has several parables about this, right? We need to know the money that we have and plan accordingly uh, and, and be, be careful with the stewardship of what we have. Uh, on the other hand, um, we have to be creative sometimes and we have to look around and say, well, I really believe this is a good mission. I believe that God will provide. Now I want to, I want to entrust this project to God and, and hopefully he will bring it to fruition. Thanks for the call, Marty. And Father, uh, as we're in our last couple of minutes here, if I do have that good understanding of my vocation, I'm on the right track, things are going well, um, in those initial kind of days, weeks, months, years, whatever it is, as we're kind of living out that vocation, uh, do you have any suggestions that you might give in really embracing and living out your vocation in the best possible way. Again, I know I'm I'm speaking in broad strokes with a yeah. question here, so this no, is you know <laughs> trying to see how we can apply it to everyone. Yeah, I think it's a great it's a great thing to ponder. Um, I think we have to do it one moment at a time, right? I think we have to live our too often. We we have our sights set on the goal that's so far away. And we forget about the present moment. We forget about doing what we need to right now for my own growth and holiness, for the service of those around me. Uh, we, we complain about having to make sandwiches for the children on their way to school, but maybe that's exactly what God wants us to do to make us holier in that moment. So yeah, focus on the present moment, and I think that will bring present a lot of moment. praises. That's great. I love it. Father Matthew, uh, we've got about 30 seconds remaining here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, ask you to strengthen your beloved sons and daughters in their vocation, their calling. May they follow you with their whole heart and serve you faithfully all the days of their lives. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Father Matthew Spencer, our spiritual director for this hour. Thank you so much, Father Matthew, for being on the program. And I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Lucas Holt for their help in producing the program today. Uh, coming up next, of course, Mass is right after this. Father Edward Looney is our celebrant. And hope you join us tomorrow here on the program as we'll talk about praying for the Pope.